title for today is Watch Your Tongue. Uh-huh. 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 So let me start out with a disclaimer. Y'all know I like disclaimers. It's going to sting, y'all. It's okay. going to sting. So y'all can just say, ouch now. Ouch, and ouch. all I can say is, I warned you. Amen. Now I'm going to feed you, but this one is more uh, more medicinal, like a warm bowl of much-needed soup on a very, very cold day. Because I'm trying to help somebody, including myself, and provide a measure of healing as well. Because the truth of the matter is that the church causes more damage nowadays than uh-huh. the world. Uh-huh. Now I'm going to try and make you smile and perhaps make you giggle a little bit because sick people need to laugh too. But I need you to swallow this medicine in order for us as the body to get better together. Yes. And I believe when you are better, I am better. Mm. And when I am better, you are better since we're all a part of one body. Amen. Now, does everybody have their seatbelts on? I need you to check with your neighbor. Make sure you heard the click of the seatbelt. Everybody ready? Yeah. All right. Let's go. (laughs) So let me start off by saying it's amazing how people treat you Mm. when they don't think they need you or when you to them are dispensable. Mm. Uh Can I tell you that it is especially disheartening when people either do not see you, do not recognize you as having any value, and do not even care to know your worth. What I found is that people are off the hook. Mm. They tend to judge you based on a number of factors such as invisible criterion that no one else knows. They will first evaluate you based on what they heard about you, Uh along with things like your current status, level, and perceived position. Because here's the deal. My judgment of you will ultimately determine how I will treat you and perhaps how I talk at you. If I talk down to you, in my mind, you are beneath me. You can't do anything for me but get out of my way and perhaps get out of my face. Yet if I talk to you with high regards, if I put a little bit of respect on it, it means I can see you as an equal or that one day you may be able to help me. We put people in categories of worthiness. If I perceive that you cannot do anything for me and I don't need you, then I'm more apt to treat you like the trash on the street. But let me tell you that it is disrespectful to see me as anything less than what God calls me. God calls me by name and speaks to my potential. Therefore, you don't have the right to speak to me otherwise. I'm just putting someone on notice. The problem is that most people see you literally instead of potentially. They see you in your current state and are more apt to leave you right there. But aren't you glad God calls you by the finished product since he sees the end from the beginning? The Bible says to all people, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I understand that it's hard to love people in their raw state, but we need to learn to see them and reference them as God does. Let me give you an example. I spend hours sometimes looking at Facebook reels and through that have recognized a particular trend. There are all over the world experiments in churches, businesses, and otherwise that specifically deal with the treatment of others regardless to their position in life as opposed to your own. In other words, will you help somebody who needs help, plain and simple, or will you 
something for you. CEOs and pastors are disguising themselves as homeless individuals or people in need of help. They are doing a random test to ascertain the true character and integrity of their people, employees, and job applicants. They want to know who people are when no one is watching and who people are when there is no one around to impress. Because they believe that how you treat every person, even those you don't think you need, matters. That's right. Watch your tone is a two-way street that is not based on status or position. In other words, it can't just come from you and not apply to you at the same time. You can't demand respect and not give it in the same breath. In God's eyes, how you treat the homeless person, the janitor, the cleaning lady, the trustee, the hired worker, the immigrant, the foreigner, the orphan, the widow, each other, and your neighbor all matters. Yet in this world, People tend to pick on those they believe are in some way categorized as weak. They will walk all over you if they get the chance. But God called us to come out from amongst them. The Bible says, do not be conformed uh, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He gave guidelines about this way back in the Old Testament to fight against the entitlement issues and to prevent us from becoming the bully. Mm. Go ahead. He called us to bless others, not to bully them. Okay. Yet this world is full of bullies, and yeah. it is sad to say that the bully has sashayed themselves right into the church. Yeah. Everywhere you look, there's a bully here and a bully there. Bullies are everywhere. There is a household bully. There's the playground bully, the marketplace bully, the workplace bully, and now even the spiritual bully. It's a progressive problem that human beings seem to have, and I believe this is why it has been carried over into the New Testament when it speaks about the kingdom's logic. The Bible puts it this way. Whoever wants to be great must first make himself a servant. Whoever wants to be first must bind himself as a slave. Because here's the deal. Even when no one else is watching, God is. Therefore, watch your tone. Watch how you treat people. Because I don't care what your position is. If you are not giving it, you cannot reasonably expect it. This is not a one-way street. And respect is reciprocal, not positional. Did you hear me? Every supervisor, every pastor, every manager, every CEO, every church leader out there, it is not positional. In the midst of mourning the prophet and priest of God, David happens upon a man with no sense of obligation, a man dependent on his own laurels, a stingy man with cruel and crude intentions, and a man without the proper and cordial sense of the day. He is what the Bible calls a mean man. David found himself in this season still on the run, moving to another location, mourning a loss, preparing for battle, gaining two additional wives, and losing another all in one chapter. Samuel, the prophet of God, died. Israel was mourning. Nabal was about to get tore up. David married Abigail, that is, after Nabal died. Then he married Ahinoam from Jezreel. And his first wife, Michal, was given to another man. Some would say that this is the perfect opportunity for David to show his not yet royal behind. Some would say it was an opportunity.
gives them an occasion for him to have anger issues and to find someone to take it out on. But I believe it was Maya Angelou who said something like this, just because you are in pain does not mean you have to be a pain. According to the word of God, Nabal did not consider the tone of his response to David. There wasn't a bit of respect in it. Yet David approached him as a friend, as a protector, supporter, and humble servant. But what Nabal failed to realize is that you cannot uh, start a fight and not expect there to be a war. You simply cannot dish it out if you're not able to take it. Your words have power and your tongue has the potential to start a great fire. You cannot be a perpetrator and the victim at the same time. Nabal was a wealthy man with position and leverage along with the attitude of the rich. Consideration was given to was not given to anyone other than himself, and it cost him everything, including his life. Huh. I believe the reason he has been getting away with this type of behavior for so long is because no one bigger, no one better, and no one bolder had yet to stand up to him, to challenge him, and to knock him clean off his high horse. Huh. But in walks a warrior That's named David. You don't know who you're playing with. David told his men, strap on your swords. We about to fight. Now, I feel the uh-oh rising in my spirit. As the kids would say, it's about to go down. There's another character that reminds me of Nabal. Now, y'all know about my love for cartoons, so this will come as no surprise. I was watching Looney Tunes (laughs) featuring Yosemite Sam. And notice how well old Sammy Boy fits into this story. Every time Yosemite Sam would try to force his way, he ended up losing in the end. I believe he had what we call a Napoleon complex because he was a short fella with a big attitude. He was a small man with a chip on his shoulder, prone to temper tantrums. He would stomp around every time he became angry and basically made it known that no one was going to tell him what to do. He believed he never made any mistakes and certainly did not own up to any. He demanded his way, and when he did not get it, his guns would be blaring, and he would start blasting like our mouths do in today's society. He spewed weighty threats, often towards Bugs Bunny, but by saying he would blow the fur off his carcass, and that he would blow him to smithereenies. Now, I don't know where smithereenies is, but that's what the man said. Now, anything was subject to fly out of his mouth when he was challenged, questioned, and when he was mad, and whenever he did not get his way. His behavior was outrageous, and oftentimes he simply was impossible. Your Sammy Sam was not a nice man, and it showed in his actions. I believe they Ball and Sammy could have been related because the summation of their character was about the same. Mm. Bugs Bunny summed it up, uh, summed them up quite well with these words: "What a nasty disposition." <laughs> Neither of them realized this quote that I saw recently that said, "Positions are temporary, mm. ranks and titles are limited." But the way you treat people will always be remembered. The story of Nabal and David gives us practical things we can do to watch our tone. And the first one is to always extend kindness. Verses 6 through 8 says, peace and prosperity to you, your family and everything you own. I am told that it is sheep shearing time. 
while your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them, and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men, and they will tell you this is true. So would you be kind to us? Since we have come at a time of celebration, please share any provisions you might have on hand with us and with your friend, David. When you extend kindness, it promotes a sense of community and unity of spirit. David and his men protected Nabal's property as an extension of kindness. In return, though, they were sneered at, insulted, mocked, and rejected. Which begs the question, have you ever been kind to someone individually or kind to them and their family only to have them turn the tables on you? Have you ever been good to others just to be mistreated? It is not a good place to be, especially when you have extended kindness filled with grace and equality. We must always remember that if you want to demonstrate a heart for God, honor others more so than yourself. Another reason to extend kindness is because you don't know what others are going through. Kindness, gentleness, compassion will help people heal from wounds inside in a way that a nasty disposition will not. People around us are struggling. People are hurting. Uh, Just because they don't talk about it doesn't make it any less real. We are called to be healing agents who operate in discernment and understanding. And Let me tell you a little known secret. Although they have been programmed by this world to not act like it, men have feelings too. Now the second thing to help us watch our tone is to remember to always protect the name. Protect your name, other people's name, and God's name. Verse number nine says, David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name. And they waited for a reply. The famous question from William Shakespeare play Romeo and Juliet, what's in a name, argues that names are not important. However, the Bible indicates this is not so. Names carry with them meanings, associations, and reputations. It can spark dread or delight, calm or terror, welcomeness or rejection, and so much more. So what does your name say about you? David, although on the run, sent messengers in his already established good name to deliver a message. However, Nabal's was not, which signifies to me that you cannot expect people to think well of you when you treat others poorly. For all the churchgoers, what do people say about you outside these four walls? Does your reputation precede you? Protect the name. You cannot be a tyrant out there and come in here with praise the Lord. You are the Bible, the representative, the ambassador, the caretaker of God's holy name, not to mention your own and your family. And here's one for you. What do people say about you based on repeated interactions with you? Once your name loses respect, it is hard to get that back. You might as well move somewhere where nobody knows you and start all over again. But let's let's take this a little deeper. What would the janitor at your office building say about you? I know most of you are retired, but their memories of you are not. What would your cleaning lady, sanitation crew, or the delivery people say about you in an interview? Based on how people act inside the church, I can only imagine the experience outside. Wow. In October of 2020, 
I was asked to speak with students on the DC campus of Denver Seminary on the topic of illustrations. We talked about the importance of illustrations, development, the development of illustrations, cautions using illustrations, followed by a particular example. In that example, I shared a story entitled, A Young Christian Lady and the Kalachi Shop. This young lady was attempting to cover her late arrival to work with gifts of kindness. She said she would go to a local mom and pop donut shop to buy kalachis for her team, remembering that the two ladies there were always nice and the food was always prepared. In her mind, it would be an easy in and out exchange, so she settled on a dozen or so sausage and cheese kalachis. Now with her plan made and time ticking, she set that plan in motion. However, rather than delectable breakfast treats and the air filled with goodness, she found dismay with every empty shelf. With her plan unraveling, she became irritated that her cover-up was falling to pieces. Uh -oh. Although the shop owner was by herself that day, she greeted her and asked how she could help her. I came in here to get some kolaches, but nothing is ready. Y'all know how y'all do. <laughs> the lady assured her uh, uh, that she could have them ready in a few minutes um, if she was just willing to wait. To which she replied, that's going to make me late. As if you're not already going to be late, right? <laughs> but seeing the irritation, the disappointment, and perhaps that she was letting her customer down, she proceeded to offer a further explanation. The lady said, the reason why I'm late and that there's nothing on the shelf is because the lady who is normally in here with me, my mom, died this morning. My Lord. She said, and because we're the only two in America, I had to wait for someone to come and pick up her body before I could leave and come and take care of business. Needless to say, the young lady was shocked in disbelief and felt the wind was taken from her sails. She was also knocked off her high horse. As the Lord would have it, as she was given in that moment a chance to evaluate and reflect on her behavior. The young lady left that shop a few minutes later. Not only with a dozen or so hot made to order kolaches, she left with a bit more patience, a huge attitude and character adjustment, and a lesson of the dangers of pride that she will never forget. In that moment, she had a biblical tune-up, learned a bit about compassion, and got a glimpse of how to love others as yourself. The truth of the matter is that we often want people to be patient with us, yet we tend to be impatient with others. The Bible is crystal clear that pride goes before a fall. Now, the third thing to keep to, to watch your tone when all else fails is to always make it right. Mm -hmm. Verses 14 through 17 and 23 to 24, which was not on the screen, say this. Meanwhile, one of the ball servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. You need to know this. 
and figure out what to do, for there is going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He is so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. Now, in an attempt to intercede for Nabal, Abigail acted quickly. The Bible says when Abigail saw David, she quickly got, got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my Lord. Please listen to what I have to say. There, there's a whole discourse, so please read it later. This one may be the hardest because we don't like eating humble pie. We don't like to say we're sorry. It's never a fun experience, but it is necessary when we mess up. Yeah. It is essential to make it right. Abigail's quick and immediate action quenches the fire, releases the building steam, and avoids certain disaster. Yeah. We can all take our cue from Abigail. Some of us need to greet people with a posture of humility and many sincere apologies, especially those we have wronged. Mm. She wasn't just saving face. She was saving the family. Yeah. But let me be honest with you. My initial reaction upon reading this is why does it take your wife to make your actions right? But thank God for Abigail. Thank God for all the wives out there that are both sensible and beautiful in spirit when their husbands are not. Because your quick action just may save a number of people from harm and disaster. What's that saying? The life you save might just be your own. So let me conclude this way. The Bible, this Bible story was an example of Nabal returning evil for good. All over the world, we see a lack of respect based on various factors. People believe they are in positions that demand respect, but in reality, they have not earned it. It's a serious problem in our world today. And get this, Nabal knew who David was yes. and still answered the way he did. That's right. He knew he was the son of Jesse mm -hmm. and that he was running from his master. What I don't understand is, did he skip the part about him being a giant killer? Hmm. As well as the tens of thousands he was credited for slaying. Yeah, my God. Did he miss the part that David killed bears? And that David killed lions, and you answer this way? I don't know what he was thinking, but what kind of pride and obstinance would repay this level of kindness with evil? Now, I'm not advocating violence. <laughs> but you cannot be mad when somebody comes back on you for how you treated them. Don't get mad at what they call the clapback because you were the one that bought it on. I can only speak for me because I have always had a clapback in my pocket and a smart mouth since I was a kid. I have gotten in lots of trouble for it. Now, if my mom was here, she would be shaking her head and say, yep, that's exactly right. So y'all just point to the camera and just pray for her. I was like David, though. I never went looking for it. I wasn't a bully, but I was determined you were not going to talk to me any old kind of way. Because one thing for sure, if you're going to instigate a fight, you better be ready for the consequences. And that is what David was about to show Nicole. Y'all pray for Reverend Jay. Because I have always believed in the words of the great theologian and comedy king Kevin Hart. You're going to learn today. 
But all jokes aside, it's important to watch your tone. The word of God says that we were made in his image, which leaves no yes, doubt that we yes. should be treated as such. Yes. So my last question before That's I end right. this message is simply this. Did everyone take their medicine? Because uh-huh. at the end of the day, we should all do our part to be better as a family together. Yes. Amen. 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 Amen.